following sermon is from Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you've never reached out to Calvary before, we'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. And now, here's Dr. Dan. About, oh, 18 years ago, I was on a mission trip that changed my life. And for many reasons, but one of the things that happened on the mission trip, we had these, this group called the Nationals. They were from El Salvador and there were, they spoke Spanish and they kind of got us around the country. And we also had a bus driver. And so we had a group of teens and a few adults. And this bus driver, he did things with a bus that American bus drivers don't do. And so I, in America, I've never, been on a bus that went backwards with people on it, let alone even seen it. But on this trip to El Salvador, for some reason, this bus driver decides to back up the bus. But he didn't just back up the bus into a parking spot. He backed it up a hill that went around in a curve, scraping, there were tree branches hanging down, scraping against us. Off to the side was a cliff. And as he was backing up, I thought to myself, is there not a different way that we could get up this hill? Is there not a different approach to making the ascent? Is there not another way? Why this way? But as time went on, and especially after that effective, he did it effectively, I thought to myself, this man could make big bucks in America with this level of skill set. But I learned to trust him as we went along. Being a Christian is a lot like that. Because being a Christian re requires following Jesus and following him will often be uncomfortable and even at times downright scary. It is then that we need to learn to trust him. In fact, I would tell you that oftentimes we don't learn to trust Jesus well until we step out on faith and attempt to do the things that he is leading us to do. What would this look like in daily life? How would this actually play out? A man felt led to begin to tithe. He saw the principles in the Scripture, and, and he began to, to make a decision. I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to try. I feel like this is what the Lord is calling me to do. And no sooner does he make that decision, but the car breaks down. And one of the kids breaks an arm, and now there's a medical bill. And he begins to wonder, did I misunderstand Jesus? Maybe the tithe was just for the Old Testament and I have somehow misunderstood Jesus because following Him was a lot, it's a lot less comfortable than playing it safe. A student decides to live out her faith in public because they know that Jesus has called them to do it. And when they did, it didn't go as planned. They had hoped that other Christians in the school would begin to step up and step out for Jesus, only to find that none of them did. In fact, people began to look sideways at her as she talked about Jesus. And some of those who looked sideways at her were, in fact, church-going kids. And she began to think to herself, I know the Bible tells us to bear witness about Jesus, but that must not be my spiritual gift. Maybe this is not for me. Perhaps Jesus wasn't calling me after all. Sometimes Jesus leads us down a long and winding road. And, but we must understand something. At least something I've come to know is this. Following Jesus is worth it even when the road gets bumpy. If you have your Bibles, join me if you would in John chapter 10. John 
chapter 10. It is oftentimes in the act of obeying Jesus that we begin to see him make provision. I'll not forget years ago, Pastor Jeremy from Hermitage, he was describing the event where Jesus um, feeds the multitude with the little boy's lunch. And they all did the math. It didn't take long to figure out, if I go disperse this food, it's going to be a crumb for you, a crumb for me, a crumb for... A crumb. Nobody's going to be hungry, or nobody's going to be full, rather. And what he actually explained and pointed out was this. It wasn't until the disciples obeyed and started to go forward in faith, trusting Jesus, that the miracle of the multiplication happened. Oftentimes we find that when we look at what God is calling us to do, it is impossible in our own strength, and it isn't until we step out that we begin to see God show up. But being a Christian requires following Jesus as a sheep follows the shepherd. So let's hear it in Jesus' own words. John chapter 10, verse 1-6. through Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his, his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Let's consider this for a moment. First off, what's going on here? Well, he's using a well-known image from their day. Families in that culture oftentimes would, would sort of pool their money and they would build a sheep pen that they would have multiple families had their sheep in that pen. And then they would hire a shepherd and the sheep were trained. They began to know the voice of their specific shepherd for that specific family. How good were these shepherds? They were known to stand outside of the stone walls that were erected and start do their sheep call, and their sheep would come out from the mixed multitude. That's how good they were. They knew the, they knew the voice of their shepherd, but the voice of a, of a stranger they wouldn't follow. And this image then of, of, the, of the, the robber, the robber can't walk in through the gate. He's got to climb over the uh, climb over the wall. What, what's going on there? Well, the gate usually had a gatekeeper, and the shepherd would just walk up to the gate because he knew he had authority. He had the right to be in there. So what Jesus is talking about is this: the, the shepherd calls the sheep not just with the this call, but he actually calls them out by name. Jesus is saying, "I go even further. I call people out by name because they're my sheep." Now he's talking about salvation, but he's also talking about following because salvation also includes following Jesus. The sheep are come out then from amongst the mixed multitudes because they recognize the voice of their shepherd. They trust him. And when he says they, they don't respond to the voice of the person that's not their shepherd, sheep would sometimes if a, if a, a person would try to mimic the call of the shepherd. The, they would hear it and they would say, that sounds right, but that's definitely not the shepherd's voice. And they would actually scatter in fear. Sheep also didn't have good eyesight. They're not smart and they don't have defensive weapons. They were very dependent uh, on the shepherd. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm the good shepherd. Why is he talking about this? Well, in chapter 9, there was a well-known miracle. I'll just give you that you know it. 
Jesus heals a man that was born blind by spitting in the dirt, makes mud and puts it on the guy's eyes. And then this big argument unfolds. And by the end of it, the Pharisees are saying, are we blind too? And Jesus then begins to say, here's the reality of what he's talking about. He says, look, you guys don't follow me because you're not my sheep. I keep talking, keep proclaiming the gospel, keep giving the good news, but you're not my sheep, but the others, they will follow. And so a Christian is called by Jesus to salvation, but also called to follow. And this brings us to a question. Why don't more Christians follow him? Why don't more people who put their name and trust, their, their faith and trust in Jesus Christ actually follow Jesus? I'll give you a few reasons. Number one, distractions. Distractions. Other things begin to crowd out our focus and, G- and his direct, Jesus' direction for our lives and other things become more important to us. We begin to step out in faith, but something comes along that's new and shiny. I use new and shiny because men were like fish. You flash something shiny in front of us, and whoa, let's, let's go follow the shiny thing. I have a friend. Um, he was His daughter, his kids were actually in my youth group years ago. They moved so frequently, she had created a joke, which was actually pretty funny. She said, we just bought a U-Haul because it's cheaper than renting one. That's how often that we have moved. She said it as funny, but it was one of those deals where it actually, I could tell there was a bit of pain in how often they relocated. Her, her dad, I con- was convinced, was actually called into ministry. But in his life, what I watched repeatedly over and over, and you just kind of continued while I, while I was with them, and even after I was gone, he was always kind of on to the next bigger, better thing. He was always chasing the, the big idea, the, hey, I'm going to get rich quick, and never actually serving the Lord. He was gifted. The whole family was gifted in music. I was grateful to know, find out this most recently that I, I just said, I congratulated them because one of their kids was getting married, and they said, hey, we've been leading worship over at this little Baptist church in, in the country and been there for quite a while. I was so glad to hear that. But as he was following God, there was distractions all over the place. Finally, I think he's developed the ability to tune him out and just focus on what God wanted for him. But distractions. Also, following Jesus often involves change and uncertainty. Change and uncertainty. Uh, it, it's kind of, it's, well, it's just scary. We like things the way we like them. And... Jesus might ask us to move, might ask us to change careers, might ask us to get an education or a different education, or might ask us to do something we don't normally do. We kind of think that we know what we're doing. Have you ever thought that you knew what you were doing only to have it turn out badly? I have. Because we're sheep. And lost sheep are lost because they don't know which way to go but we believe that we do. But now that we are found, the Good Shepherd calls us to follow Him. And guess what? He knows the way that we're supposed to go. We can trust the Good Shepherd to lead us. Verse 7-10, through we can trust the Good Shepherd to lead us. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now He's changing the metaphor. All who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not follow him. Listen to him. Now, I just want to point out really quick before we move forward, what is he talking about here? Most likely, he's referencing a common theme in the Old Testament. 
We see it in Ezekiel 34 and elsewhere, where God is rebuking the leaders of Israel who were tasked with shepherding the people, with making sure they had good laws, things were done justly, and what they were actually doing was getting rich off of the poor and abusing the poor and and didn't actually seem to care about the sheep whatsoever. And so he's, he's saying, look, they, they, all these people that came before, they didn't actually care for the sheep because they weren't truly in their heart of hearts. They weren't shepherds. Verse 9, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ only. And we can only be saved by coming to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And then there's this talking of God going in and out and finding pasture. That's talking about blessing from God. Verse 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The good shepherd offers salvation and abundant life. And if you have trusted Jesus for salvation, then you can trust Him as He leads you to take the next step. To step out in faith. To take a risk. To do something uh, in pursuit of Jesus Christ. If you're a person who has yet to call on Jesus for salvation, the first thing He's calling you to is to sell, is salvation. Turn from sin. You're a lost sheep. Turn to Jesus for salvation. And be saved and be forgiven. But then there's this following of Jesus for the rest of our lives. It's not a matter of earning our salvation. It's a matter of living differently because we are saved. When we're born again, Jesus calls us to live differently. To be different. And we can trust the Good Shepherd enough to follow Him because He knows the way and because He unselfishly sacrificed Himself for us. Let's pick it up at verse 11. We can trust the Good Shepherd because He knows the way and He unselfishly sacrificed Himself for us. Verse 11, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. There again, Jesus is talking about the cross and that He dies on the cross and that death benefits those who believe up to the present day. Verse 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. These shepherds he's referring to here, uh, they, they don't want to harm the sheep. But when push comes to shove, and it gets dangerous. They're like, look, I'm not going to die for a sheep. And so off they go. But Jesus is comparing Himself. He knows what's coming. They don't know what's coming. He is soon to die on a cross to, to pay for the sins of the sheep. And so He's talking about that, the Gospel, as it were. Verse 14, I am the, God, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and they, my own know Me. That's why they respond to My voice. First, in the call to salvation, and then in the call to follow Jesus. Verse 15, Just as the Father knows Me, and I know the Father, and I lay down My life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to My voice. What's he talking there about there when he says, uh, there's other sheep not of this fold? Well, here he's preaching to Jews 
But then when he says other sheep not of this fold, he's talking about Gentiles who will soon be brought into this thing called the church. There will be one flock made of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. One shepherd, Jesus Christ. Regardless of, uh, of how we understand uh, God's relationship with the Jews in the future, understand something. There is salvation in only one name, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's true of Gentiles and Jews to the present day. There is no plan B. There's just Jesus. And so he continues, verse 17, For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. So here he's predicting the cross. He's predicting his death, burial, and resurrection. And then he speaks of his own authority, even in his sovereignty over the process. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. He repeats essentially the same thing. This charge I have received from my Father. And so we see this. Jesus is a good shepherd. He sacrifices Himself for the sheep. This was kind of unheard. He's using this image, this metaphor of a shepherd and the sheep, and now He's saying, I'm better than a shepherd because I am the good shepherd. A shepherd will put his, his neck on the line, but he won't risk it to the point of death. I, however, being the good shepherd, I'm going to die as a ransom to pay the debts, the sin debt of the sheep. And so now for those of us who have received this gift of salvation, who have responded to that invitation of the Holy Spirit to put your trust in Jesus, we're called to follow. And the question returns then, why don't more Christians follow Him? Well, first off, I want to say there are a lot of Christians who do follow Him. Must be fair. But why don't more? Number one, I think there's a lack of understanding a lack of understanding and so a lot of times when there's a uh, the gospel is presented turn from sin turn to jesus call on him for salvation because whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved yes amen but it isn't just a transaction it's a transformation we go from being lost sheep to now we are sheep and following the good shepherd so there's actually not only the put your trust in Jesus, there is the now let's follow Him. And what I've often seen, and I lived it out, there was a, 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 there's a moment in time for many Christians, once they decide, yes, I'm all in, I'm going to follow Jesus, that's when everything begins to change in their lives. I'm not saying it's easy. It's oftentimes like going backwards up a hill while the tree is scraping your bus. But that's ultimately the moment where things begin to change in the life of a Christian. Then there's the lack of faith. Lack of faith. Uh, the, the, Brother Taylor mentioned it this morning, this idea, who am I that I'm going to step out and do something for God? Something big. What about something small? Whatever that is. The truth is, because of the glory of God and the fact that we are eternal beings and the things that we do in this life for God have eternal weight, even the things that we think are small when done for the glory of God and the advance of the Gospel are not really small at all. I got to witness this on Friday. We, uh, we had made plans to go to Indianapolis to go to a pizza shop and, and go to the parks in Carmel. Very nice parks in Carmel. 
and uh, Austin, he had, he, he, uh, well, Bob Donnelly had given us a bag of these gospel coins. And he made sure to get one of those gospel coins because he was going to leave it for the waitress. Now, in the scheme of things, you might think small, but I don't think so. Maybe the waitress won't think so either. We left the gospel coin that Austin wanted to make sure that we brought. I did not, the preacher did not put that on him. Not small. We decided that you're going to volunteer in the nursery. Not small because that means some mom and dad can sit and hear the sermon because the children are taken care of. It doesn't get all the, the publicity of the preacher, admittedly. But for the parents that have to take their kids in there, it's a wonderful thing to know their children are well taken care of for that one hour. Nothing is small when done for the King of Kings. And sometimes we lack faith. Maybe we doubt that we can actually do it. Um, I'm inadequate. I'm inadequate. I'm not a good enough speaker. I'm not disciplined enough to pull this off. And all of those things, when we start wrestling with that, we're ultimately looking back on ourselves instead of looking at God. Or then we have fear. What if I mess up again like I did the last time? What if I mess up again like I did the last time? Christians many times step out in faith and we all have bad moments, do we not? Sometimes it goes sideways on us and then when we begin to think about moving forward with Jesus, we begin to then remember the past and Satan's boxing us in and in keeping us a prisoner of the fear of the past. I would say this, I say this from experience, lived it. I think it is wise to wrestle with the past, but know this, God God uses our past mistakes as part of our sanctification process. When we learn from our past mistakes, failures, and sins, we can grow. So don't let the fear of yesterday's failure keep you from following Jesus today. Don't let the fear of yesterday's failure keep you from following Jesus today. Can I tell you, if we we all operated that way, none of us would be doing anything for the kingdom of God. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul if he said, uh, God saying, go do something, and he says, well, I, I supervised the murder of Stephen. <laughs> if anybody had reason not to go, it was Paul. Moses he, with his own hands, killed a, killed a man. Don't let the past, the failures of the past, stop you from moving forward in the present. Yes, learn from them. But then let's move forward. Sometimes, however, I... Here we go, now I'm preaching. Churches are not always sure that people with a past can, do, can be used of God. And so persons are, people are afraid. Uh, look at my tattoos. I, I gotta cover them up. And, and that's all important to think through. But can I tell you something, church? We have to get to the place in our lives where we recognize that people with a past are exactly the people that God uses. Cause I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be standing up here. I'm gonna brag on my wife. My wife made a lot of really good choices in her life. And before I moved to fruit moved from Cleveland, I remember saying to a coworker, "I know I'm going to meet an awesome woman 
and I'm going to have to live down the embarrassment of the past. I was afraid. And that is what happened. She didn't do all the dumb stuff I did. Don't let the failures of the past keep you from moving forward with Jesus today. And when we have people coming into our church who are obviously coming out of some stuff, admittedly, we don't have to hand them the, the keys to the youth van and say, take the kids for three hours away. We don't, that's, we're not dumb here. But on some level, we can take a chance and let somebody serve. You may find out that God has really called and equipped somebody and they're just beginning to emerge. Why don't more Christians follow him? Doubt. Doubt. I believe God is, I believe God is leading me, but I, I don't know if I can do it. And I just suggest that's a, it's good to wrestle with your inadequacies on some level. But pray it through and talk to Christian friends who love you and know you and are willing to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth. Jesus said, count the cost. Sometimes we recognize that following Jesus is going to involve a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Jesus talked about it. He said as much. He said, hey, uh, you're basically pointed out, you're going to end up leaving homes and families and your, and your dad's house, to, but nobody is going to, who's ever sacrificed family and fatherland for the kingdom of God is going to end up on the losing end of the deal. That's my paraphrase. Translation, you leave home to serve God. It is hard. But God blesses along the way. We've got a lot of family and friends in different states now. It was never possible had I stayed in Ohio, to be frank with you. But there is often a sacrifice with it. But don't be surprised if Jesus asks you to make a sacrifice of some kind. After all, He sacrificed Himself for us. And if He is our shepherd, and He is the one we are trying to be like, then don't be surprised if He asks you to make a sacrifice. Following Jesus will cost you something. Church, are we willing to pay what it costs? So where do we go from here? Number one, I think decide to follow Jesus and trust Him. Trust Him even if it feels like you're on a bus going backwards up a hill. There may be an easier route, but not a better one. There may be an easier route when you follow Jesus, but not a better one. Trust Him. Even if He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to do my best to quote Psalm 23. I don't have Pastor Kurt's memory. The man's amazing, but I'm going to do my best. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I know I'm messing up the order. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Pause. I would not have known the rod and staff, the rod of protection, and the staff of guidance had I stayed in park. Using a metaphor, so stick with me. I figured out a long time ago that God can't use parked cars. Now, I don't like to use the word can't. Maybe I could just say God won't use parked cars. Because you, when you and I decide we're going to put it in park and stay in park, His first object seems to be getting us out of park. You can't steer a parked car. You ever ridden a, I don't know how many of you guys have ridden a Sea-Doo? They're still around, I don't know, but uh, you can't 
turn them when you don't have the hammer down. You just turn in a steering wheel. Nothing's happening. But you put the hammer down and the thing takes off and then you can steer it. The same kind of works with the Christian life. I often have, I have found out that I don't always know. I, I would never have known. Let's just say it that way. I would never have known the rod of protection and the staff of guidance from God had I stayed in park. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes the shepherd would lead a sheep through a steep valley where the sunlight doesn't get in to get to where the green pasture actually is. But it's scary because as they're going through, they can't see what's in front of them. Sheep have bad vision anyway. You and I think we're smart, but we really can't see what's coming And 20 minutes from now. You think you know how it's going to go, but you don't know. Jesus knows the way, and if we're following Him, sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't know how our foot's going to land when we take the next step. But when we follow Jesus, ultimately He is leading us through something to something better. So what do we go do with this? If you have trusted in Jesus for salvation, trust Him then enough to follow Him. And when you do find yourself where you're Enemies on one side, look for the rod of the rod of protection. As a man, I want to be the one who does all the protecting. But sometimes that's not really how it, how it works. It's really cool when you see God just wham. I had a big brother. He's st- I'm bigger than him now, but he's older than me. Kid picked on me. I came home bawling. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say this, but I was really happy when he did this. It was his friend. So his brother come. I actually have. I used to have a. I used to have braces on my legs. So he was making fun of me for how I walked, and I came home crying. And my brother didn't say a word. He just went across the street and he bloodied his his face for him. And you better believe I was like, that's my big brother. Man, when God steps in and whacks somebody on the head for you, that's my that's my heavenly father. When you were about to go do something that you thought was right, but then God kind of intervened. It's a beautiful moment. Here's the thing. Sometimes we try to do the right thing, what we think is the right thing, and it's not wrong, but God sometimes protects us. And you and I don't ever get to know what that's like so long as we stay in park. Sometimes let's follow Jesus even when it feels like we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Follow Jesus even when it feels like you're on a school bus in reverse going up a hill. Cliff on the side, trees scraping through the windows with a bunch of kids. Follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank You for today. I thank You for this church that loves the Word of God like I do. I thank You for Your leading and guiding us. I know if we had the time to poll the room, we could all share stories of how God has Protect how You have protected us and guided us. I pray that You give us the boldness that's needed to do whatever it is that You want us to do. And pray that You give us the... What does help us hear You? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Kitnoya pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. 
Thank you for listening.